Hi, folks. Welcome to the Coaching Lifeline podcast brought to you by MAPS Coaching at Keller Williams Realty. I'm your host, Abe Shreve, and here we bring together business leaders and business coaches as we explore the stories of driven individuals who face and overcome their challenges. In the town of Allen, Texas, and the surrounding areas, there's a real estate team called the Grisak Group. Last year, they had a great year, just over 130 sales for about $106 million in transactional real estate volume. The vice president of sales of that company is a gal named Erin Hickman, and that is who we get to meet today. Erin grew up in the East Dallas neighborhood of Lakewood, Texas, which if you've ever been there, it's a nice place. But at some point in her childhood, mom and dad packed her up and moved the entire family out to Wolf City, Texas. I said that right. Wolf City, Texas. About 1,500 people. They went from living in a big, beautiful home in suburbia to living in a 100-year-old farmhouse with a wraparound porch that dad would eventually completely overhaul. Erin said she loved her childhood. She got to ride dirt bikes, play in the mud, and eventually she discovered that she's very entrepreneurial. Erin has always been someone that's gotten really involved. She was a cheerleader in high school, and following high school, Erin would attend Texas A&M, where she'd graduate with a degree in business with an emphasis in marketing. And she would take her newfound understanding and skills to the world of retail. In college, I was a marketing major. And so I, I studied marketing and graduated from college in the spring of 99 by some miracle I got through in four and a half years. And um, my first job out of college, I worked in wholesale apparel for Ocean Pacific. Does anybody know who what OP is? It's like the board shorts and swimwear. It's kind of like the West Coast vibe. So I worked with one of my really good friends for several years in the clothing business and always loved houses. I just thought, oh, houses are pretty. And I like to look at them, you know, online or, you know, I just thought it was interesting. So fast forward years later, got my real estate license and started selling real estate in the first part of 2012. So this is, this is year 10 for me. Are you kind of getting the sense that Erin goes for it? She's not a person that lets the grass grow beneath her feet very much. She really dives in and makes things happen. So she has an interesting choice to make. And I think this is part of the magic of this story. Does she just do this on her own? Does she join a team? There is something here for everyone, the solo agent, the team owner, looking at how do I keep talented people in my organization, the top talent that is okay being an entrepreneur, not just the person that's out there on their own making all the decisions, calling all the shots. This is someone who still has an entrepreneurial pull in their life, but they align with someone who they share values with and whose vision is big enough to hold their vision. That's really the decision she's making now. I think we're just, we evolve until the day we die. I just, I don't think that we're ever going to have it all figured out ever. And how boring would it be if we did? I, um, when I was going through my licensing classes, one of my good friends who was a, a successful real estate agent worked for Tom and you know, just set up an introductory meeting. And so I met with Tom and his wife at a small coffee shop and growing up in a small 
family business, I immediately felt very at home with them just because, you know, there were roots there. It was just comfortable. So I've been with Tom for 10 years. We joined Keller Williams at the beginning of 2013. So that's when we made our transition. And Tom wanted to do that because he wanted to learn how to set up a team. So I've been with him for such a long time and we've had a lot of people in and out and we're just, I'm really connected with them and just saw so much potential. And Tom is really good. He's like the marketing guy. He's a great writer. And then I was really good at working with the people and kind of seeing the opportunity and the potential of people. So that's really how it just transitioned. Honestly, maybe because I was just there, you know, it's like somebody has to do this. I'm like, well, I guess it's me. I'm still here. So maybe that's why I did it. I love Aaron's casual approach to this. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just because I was here. I suspect if Tom was the one that we had interviewed on this podcast, he would say, Aaron showed up. Aaron showed up and talent pushes, but talent put when we say that talent pushes, what we mean by that is talent wants to be a part of innovation. They want to grow. And part of what I think is brilliant here is that Tom supported her in that growth. He could see the talent. So, well, maybe it was that she was just there. She was there for a reason. She was showing up every day, doing the right things. It's hard to ignore someone that really seeks to be a part of the solution to your business challenges. Those are the people you want to grow with. Now, here comes the magic. Many of us have gotten our golden ticket to a leadership role because we performed well in a sales role. I mean, that is a classic mistake that companies make. They take their best salesperson and they turn them into the sales leader. And here's what we know. Your ability to close deals and service clients and your ability to lead others are completely different. Leadership is a skill and that should be good news for a lot of us because it means it can be learned and acquired and practiced. And Erin was very transparent with us that she struggled in the transition from top producer into leadership at first. I was actually looking through throwing away a bunch of old you know, files and, and such. And I saw back in, even in like 2015, just talking about what it looked like for us to hire a showing assistant, you know, what it looked like to try and build out some of these systems. So it kind of was tiny start in 2015 and then like a really hard start probably in 17, 2017, switching from, you know, being a producer to being in leadership on the team. That was, that was an interesting time. So there, I think probably the most interesting thing was just letting go of the fact that, you know, I had labeled myself as being a top producing agent. That was, looking back, I had no idea how much ego, I don't know if I could call it ego, but I liked seeing my name up on the board. I liked, you know, our team getting all the awards and all the accolades. I liked. I liked that. Like affirmation is one of my love languages. And so, you know, in some, you know, weird way, it was like, I got a lot of fulfillment from that. And so then moving to working behind the scenes and then trying to help push everyone else, you know, up, it was like, oh, well, what about, what about me? It was a really, it was a really lonely, lonely time. 
And um, that was that was probably one of the hardest things, but one of the best ahas too. And Ashley was really instrumental in just helping me kind of think differently through that. And just it's like you know, it's success through other people. So I had to I had to work through some mindset things, you know, around that. I still I I, I was still showing up. I was still doing what I needed to do, but it was kind of like what, what about me? What does this mean for me now? I totally get this. I have had multiple seasons of life where I've just felt like I lost my identity. I'm the producer or I'm the interesting character. I actually went through this because for 26 years of my adult life, I was an avid rock climber and I, I climbed El Cap in November of 2018 in Yosemite for those that know what that is in eight hours and 15 minutes with some friends. And it was the last time I put on my harness. I mean, I was a little lost. I get this, but you've, you've got to know that when we do these interviews and we meet these amazing people and they take us behind the curtain of their journey, which I think is just really wonderful. These coaches that they work with are so proud of them. And they're so, they're such an integral part of what's going on on today's lifeline. The guest on today's coaching lifeline is Ashley Miller. This is Aaron's coach. And normally we wait till the end where Ashley and I kind of go through and color commentate what we heard. But Ashley was jumping up and down like a child at the fair. She had something to say. And I'm really glad that, that I, saw, I saw her kind of signaling a little bit because she referenced a specific call where there was a growth breakthrough for Aaron that I think it's important for everyone to hear. Do you remember that call? when you showed up and talked about how you, you actually could feel your, like, you knew that your ego was getting in your way was really what you showed up. You said, my ego's getting in the way. I don't like that. I'm not number one anymore. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to step into leadership anymore. And it was about two to three weeks later that you came in. And I just remember you saying one of the greatest things that like, has happened for you was it was the death of your ego. It's like, I was finally able to kill that and be okay with recognizing that the, the Grissack team is still number one and there's still all the recognition and accolades. Your name just maybe isn't at the forefront anymore. Yeah. And it actually, it feels so much better and not to jump, but you know, at family reunion, Sean Aker, I keep calling him Sean Acorn, which is terrible, but that's just how I remembered it, who wrote Big Potential and a few others just talking about how to transform the pursuit of success. But there was a one, a one line in here. It just says, we need to stop trying to be faster alone and start working to become stronger together. I highly recommend everyone reading Big Potential. I just, I ordered it for our entire team. We're all going to read it because we truly are so much better together. And I think that that's what makes our team so, so super special. And my ego dying that day on that phone call and just acknowledging it and not, you know, it's like, there's no shame in that, but it was like, okay, well, and, and this side is so much better. It's so much better. It's so much more fun. And, um, you know, it's just like, Hey, let's get back to the basics and and, and focus on the stuff that matters. The numbers come, the numbers show up if you're, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I love that Aaron was comfortable sharing this death of the ego moment. And this is really important. 
And she quoted Sean Aker, who was actually our speaker at the, at the annual Keller Williams Conference just last month. I was there. I took a bunch of notes. One of the things he said is that happiness is not an individual sport. And he referenced this really famous case study called Project Aristotle. At Google, they were trying to determine what creates the most effective team. What is it? And what they determined in Project Aristotle is it wasn't as much the people on the team. Who's on the team didn't equate to maximum success. It was how they interacted with each other. And there were two critical components that emerged as as the most important. The first one they phrased as equality in conversational turn-taking. It's a mouthful. Equality in conversational turn-taking. In other words, no one person monopolized the conversation. Everybody had the opportunity for equal input. And the second one really feeds us too, ostentatious listening. Ostentatious, the definition of ostentatious is pretty funny. Let me just describe it this way. You are making it more than obvious that you're listening. There's a difference between someone listening and someone being heard. And in ostentatious listening, I believe people, the idea was you are being heard. They would repeat back what they heard and what was said. They would overemphasize the fact that I heard you and here's what I heard. These two led to what they called psychological safety. And I think this is really simple, isn't it? If everybody in a group knows that they can share their best thoughts, even if they're a little out there, and that no one is waiting to pounce on them and hear this when I say it and make them wrong, I'll hear people that have high ego often say, I don't have to be right, but their actions display that I I don't have to be right, but you're wrong. So this idea of creating an environment where there's equality and conversational turn-taking and ostentatious listening creates an adversarial environment for ego. You have to focus on others because everything about the environment you're creating is getting the best thinking from the group and not just you. This is what it means to become a leader. It's truly to succeed through others. You know, Ashley, you know, coaching through that mindset shift really was it's succeeding through other people. And I think the proof is in our, our numbers, you know, last year, you know, coming out of a crazy, you know, 2020 was a really, really interesting year for everyone during the pandemic. And it's like, man, how do we keep this vibe together when we have to be apart? You know, how do we make sure we stay connected when we have to physically be apart, you know, and we, we made it through that year. And then, you know, we wrapped up 2021. It was our best year ever. And I look back and I was like, our volume as a, as a team was just shy of 106 million. And we, we closed about 130, 30 ish transactions for 2021. One of the things that I love about what Aaron is sharing with us is that I think all leaders go through this at some level. All of them do. And what I'm referencing is this transition from being the one that, whose name's you know, up in lights to the one behind the scenes helping others grow and succeed. But once you are able to make that transition, that you're able to apply all of your skill and ability to helping others succeed, oh, you want to talk about something that's addictive? This, to me, is the heart of business building. It's learning how to lead others. This is how you build big companies. I was curious about what is it that keeps you on this team? Because there's a lot of people that 
will get to a certain point in their journey and then they think, I got to go somewhere else and grow on my own. But Erin doesn't feel that way at all. And she shared with us why it works so well between her and Tom and this team. I love those people. They're like my professional parents. And I would never, you know, and sometimes we have these clashes too, like, you know, parents and, you know, adult kids. But everything that I do, it's with them in mind of how do I make this easier for them when they make that transition and also how am I setting myself up so in the next 10 years I can make that same transition too and let somebody else seventh level you know and really start that that chain reaction but Tom and I certainly he's one of the few people that I can have a very honest hard, hard conversation. And that's probably why this has worked because I have that safe space to go and tell him, listen, I don't think that this is a good idea. I don't think that maybe there's a better way to do this. And would you be open to exploring this? Would you be open to spending thousands of dollars? This is when it started a few years ago, taking our old database system and moving the entire thing, all 20,000 people into command, you know, and that was a big chunk of money. And I'm like, and he, and he did. And that was really kind of his first step in. And so, you know, from there, it's like, you know, we have a true operations team now, you know, it's the things that have happened in the past 24 months are, are quite, quite amazing. And we're just, you know, there's so many other teams that have done this. So it's nice having the input from Ashley, who works with other teams across the country, who's connected us with our operations coach, our new bookkeeper who does MREA bookkeeping. Cause I, I love numbers. Like I love PLs. Like I love them now. I didn't, when we started, I was like, what the hell is a PL? Sorry. But I was like, I don't want to look at this. I just want to make money. But now it's just like growing and growing and the opportunity has grown. And now it's not about how much money we make. It's about the wealth building and how does our team, how do we start doing investment opportunities as a team? All right. This made me and producer Jake laugh right out loud when Ashley says, what the hell's the PL?" And then immediately apologizes. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is the thing said by everyone that makes this journey. Everybody that moves from entrepreneur to purposeful, everyone that moves from the person that does it all to the person that owns a business, there comes a point where you lean into those things you don't know. You make things that are right now maybe weaknesses, strengths. And that clearly is a pattern that Erin has shown over and over in her life as she learns new things. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time to go to the coaching lifeline. And as mentioned earlier, joining us today is Erin's coach, Ashley Miller. So Ashley, I'm, I'm really excited that you've joined us today. Where are you located? I am from the Midwest. I live in the absolute middle of nowhere in central Illinois. When did you get into coaching? I became a MAPS coach in 2018. And do you have a specialty? What is interesting is when I first became a coach, I was very much known for profit and loss. I I was your girl. If you wanted somebody to help you focus on budgets, um, financials, both personally and professionally, just getting more more profitable, higher ROI for your business, P&Ls was my lane. Today, I still very much hang my hat on that. And yet teams, 
Teams is what I'm known for. I'm actually the lead coach for MAPS team coaching segment. So Teams is just what I do. And hence working with Aaron, it's helping people within Teams continue to grow and have really, really big opportunities and see that for themselves, even though they've chosen to build their business in somebody else's world instead of out on their own. Yeah. You know, I've chosen to do this. Gary Keller has cast a big enough vision Mm-hmm. that I can build my vision inside of it. And I feel like I've got a big vision. You're an example of that, an entrepreneur, someone who's a talented and gifted and accomplished coach. And in order to become such, did well in, in this business as well. And, and the world's big enough that you can play into it. Now, one of the things that I would love to hear your insights on is Aaron talked about kind of the development of, of her moving from a producer into leadership, but also there was this, there was this component in her story of Tom the founder of the team who gave up some reins, gave, you know, let this person come in and take over a, a piece of the business, trusted her to invest. What's it like for people to first let go and trust the people they hire? Oh boy, that it's tough, it, it, right? I'm just going to be really blunt about that. It's tough. And I think that that's something Aaron and I have had to work through is, is really recognizing Thomas spent his entire life building this business, him and his wife. It's, it's his baby, right? That's, it's part of their identity. It's who they are. It's what they're known for in the community. And, and to have someone come into your world and as she put it, taking the bull by the horns that really sees a bigger vision and even more opportunity and wants to take this awesome legacy that they built and actually let it continue. And, and she even mentioned eventually seeing herself seventh level out. And so for Tom looking at going, man, I built this company to be the number one agent in our market, which they've done successfully year over year to now have someone in your world go, okay, but now we're going to be number one on an even bigger scale. And then an even bigger scale. That's been tough. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if Tom was lucky in finding Aaron or, you know, if, if there was skill in it, but I do know they seem to have grown together. How does that work? I mean, how does, how do you create awareness in a leader to grow with others? A lot of really intentional conversations that doesn't happen accidentally. And this is something that I will applaud Aaron for and to anybody else who is looking at how they can continue to grow within an organization you've got to get real comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And so part of that has really happened with Aaron and I spending a lot of time coaching through, okay, so what's the conversation that we have to have to move this forward? And, and sometimes we'll, we'll practice that, or we'll look at all angles of a scenario before really bringing that to the table but it's, it's getting uncomfortable having, it's getting comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And there's, let me give a little cheat. I'm going to give a cheat to anyone that's listening that heard that and thought, oh man, I, I would do well to have some uncomfortable conversations. First of all, I think you, what you've said to us is important for anyone to hear you and Aaron would craft the dialogue. I think sometimes we think we have to just go in there and, and just say it. And I think for those that have a pure objective, I want to come to mutual benefit with this person, or we've got something that we've got to work through. If the relationship is more important than the issue that you're talking about, then crafting the words is, is critical. 
I've done that with many people that I've, I've been coaching and, and, and just one more thing into that. If you struggle having a difficult conversation, here's the cheat, Ashley, just say that Ashley, I think, you know, it's time for us to have a difficult conversation and this isn't natural for me, but our relationship's important. So I'm going to have it. Just say that. And I think as a coach, Abe, we, we serve as the safe space for people to get out all their thoughts and all of their feelings when sometimes it's, it's not that they don't know how to have difficult conversations. They do. They wouldn't be where they're at in their career if they didn't. Yet sometimes they just aren't sure how to articulate it. And so if we as the coach can serve as that space that they can come in and brain dump all their thoughts, all their ideas, their problems, their solutions, their feelings about it, getting the emotional stuff out and can help them really see their plan and the path forward, crafting the conversation, crafting the plans that go with it. That's when the magic starts to happen. How do you keep the conversation from becoming just kind of a, an issue dump? How do you keep it pro productive when someone's just laying it all out there? You get like two minutes. So in my world, if, if you come in and there's days that we all have that, we all have that. You get two minutes, let it all out. And then we're going to focus on the plan. We're, we're not going to spend more than two minutes focusing on the problem. You get two minutes. And then let's focus on the plan. Why two minutes? What's significant about two minutes? Any longer than that. And I probably stop listening if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's, about, it's about your, your level of intensity and intention. I think it's good though. I mean, <laughs> that's great. Hey, yeah. let, let's be honest. They make a significant investing in coaching, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's an investment. Yeah. And they pay me entirely too much money for me to be the friend that listens to them vent. Right. They've yeah. got friends that they can vent to. So you get two minutes with me. That's it. Otherwise, go vent to your friends. We're going to focus on solutions. And this is something that I think is important for people to understand about the coaching relationship is a lot of times, if you're looking at coaches on stage, it looks like we are level 10, code red, on your face every second of every call. However, business under the best of circumstances is difficult. And, there, and, and, and we heard Aaron say it, that there are some really... There's been some really challenging things they've gone through as a team. Anybody on their road to success will have that. And there are times that a great coach will give a person the moment they need to stop and get it out. Do you notice, Ashley, that people like Aaron are often their worst critic? We're the ones that are having to help them see a success because they're thinking about, I could have done this differently or I'll do this next time. They, they move so quickly to the learning and the acceptance of their role in it that we, we often have to slum down and say, just a second here, there's more to this. And I think through that, Abe, Aaron and I have worked together long enough now that we have developed a friendship. It's I've been down to visit the, her and their team in person for business planning events and just to have fun and have some cocktails together. And I will be at Aaron's wedding next month, which I'm Me very too. excited for. You didn't oh, know that, Aaron. you want to be my date? Okay, <laughs> um, I need my plus and one. And Teresa, we're from Utah. No, okay. I'm sorry. So, you know, Bring my wife. Um, but it's, you know, through that journey, it's not always all business, right? It's we've, we have worked together through relationships, through separations, through kids, through just, she's getting married. She's remodeling a house right now. I've remodeled a house. Like 
we are friends. And I think that's the the beauty of it. And yet there's a dynamic there that I'm always going to be your coach first and her friend second. And she knows that. Especially on the call. Yep. On the call. So, you know, let, let's, let's give a nugget here for anyone that's a coaching leader, maybe not a coach, but you're leading others. I'm, I'm like you, Ashley. I don't know how you do this work week in, week out with people and not gain relationship. I've been, I've been, I've coached Cody Gibson now for over 10 years and we're very close. And yet on the call, we get after it. And that's why we're close because we do this work together. And I think you've lighted on something, um, whether it's a coaching relationship or a leadership relationship in the time that someone's looking for the strategic partner, you must be the strategic partner and they will feel betrayed whether they identify that or not, there will be a feeling of betrayal if you're just their friend. So we lead them through an understanding of where they've been, but more importantly, what they can become. Talk about that a little bit. How do you help someone through, through a down moment when you can see there's more to them and they're just feeling beat up? Oh, isn't that the life of a coach? <laughs> um it, it is. It's seeing the potential in people when they don't see it in themselves. And I think Aaron's a really great example of that, right? When, when I say just all the things that we've worked through together, through massive transitions in the business, through her relationships, both personally and with people within the team, there's a lot of moments of defeat. You fail forward a lot. And we'd both be lying if there weren't plenty of times that, you know, she showed up to a call and said, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I just don't know if that, right. Do I just quit? I, I just don't know anymore. And when you know, right, that there is something greater on the other side, you help them work through that, but failing forward's part of it. Those feelings of defeat are going to be part of the process. It is not this perfect sunshine, rainbows and pony journey to, you know, your five-year plan. We don't just wake up every day and it's so easy to get there. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be challenges. And the worst part of it is it's stuff that we could never predict. And so you find your way through it. You acknowledge what it is that's happening. You acknowledge what you're feeling, what's causing it, and you find your way through it. And when you focus on going through What's on the other side is them tapping into just a little bit more of that potential. Yeah. I am going to walk the line of what is probably acceptable here. And you keep me out of trouble, please. I'm asking you. I'm good at that. Is Tom paying for Aaron's coaching or no. did Aaron hire you directly? So this is actually very interesting. Aaron hired me directly. I should just say she hired a maps coach directly. She just happened to get stuck with me, right? Yeah. And she hired a maps coach directly. And eventually, gosh, this would be not quite two years, but a year and a half ago, the top producing agent on their team also hired me to coach her one-on-one -on -one after seeing Aaron's growth and the value she got out of coaching. And where we sit today Aaron actually personally is the one who hired the operations coach for the operations team out of her own funds. And at this point as well, I now coach their entire sales team. So they now have a team contract as well that Aaron also pays for. Mm. And so she sees enough value out of coaching. And the more she has continued to implement the pieces 
and her team continues to do the same, they're growing, they're making more money, which means she's making more money. And she thinks like a business owner. And she knows that part of the money she earns has to be reinvested back into the business. So while we definitely have had the conversations around shifting some of those, that investment over to the business versus Aaron, at the end of the day, she practices what she preaches in her personal world, that if her income is growing through these other people, she doesn't think twice, sometimes to a detriment as her coach, she doesn't think twice about reinvesting it back into the business. Yeah. Well, the reason, and I can see that by the way, Erin's clearly growth minded. You know, she, she talked a lot about, you know, the way that you guys work through things. I, I also think, you know, I tell people on my leadership team, you need a coach, you need a person you can go to and complain about me and it's okay. I think that's, it's great. You say that because I've had the opportunity to speak with Tom and Rhonda. And like I said, I've, I've also had the opportunity to, to fly down and spend some time with their team in person. And while Tom and Rhonda don't personally have a coach, I will say that there's never been a moment that I haven't felt their gratitude for the role that I play in their organization. They are, they're glad I'm there. They're glad, right. That Aaron took that leap and that we continue to just level up and level up and level up. And, and so that's been, that's been a fun part too, is that while I don't work with Tom and Rhonda directly, they have always been very receptive to mine and Aaron's partnership and the influence that I have in the business. And I think part of that is because Aaron's a freaking boss, right? They're lucky. They're, they're fortunate. And she clearly values, values that relationship. Well, Ashley, you have been amazing in closing. Let me ask this question. If you could go back and talk to Ashley at the beginning of her coaching career, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Act as if. So the, in that Aaron may not know this. She was one of the first coaching clients I ever received as a match maps coach. I want to, you may have been the first, if not in the you first guys raised each other. Yeah. So I've grown up in my coaching career with her. And I think that's actually part of the, like, that just gave me the goosebumps, honestly, of recognizing I think as a coach, I just went, wow, people will rise to the level of your coaching. And so if I could go back then it's keep acting as if act as if you are the coach, show up as the coach, show up as the leader that you want to be. Even if you don't have it all figured out, keep doing the next best thing. Keep learning, keep growing, keep trying to stay one step ahead. And if you do that, you'll get there. And and when you fall down, stand up and take another step, which often just means show up the next day and start the routine again, lean into the difficulty of the work and, and find that first success because it gives some energy, right? Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. I know I learned a lot from Aaron and Ashley. I hope you did as well. If now is the right time for you to learn what hiring a coach would look like for you and your business, call 800 800- That's 800-784-6826 to schedule a call with a business growth advisor. They will explore your business and help you select the right type of coaching to get you to your next level. And please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving us an honest review. It really helps us in our mission in helping others. I hope you'll join us next time on the Coaching Lifeline podcast as we continue to explore the stories of driven individuals who face and overcome their challenges.